Welcome to CPA Chanda Pays Attention, or if you've been following me on Instagram, CPA, CPA. Today's going to be an interesting episode because this episode isn't based on something I was curious about, but rather something that made me quite angry when I first heard it the first time. I had hosted a birthday dinner for myself, of course. <laughs> and during the dinner, someone brought up the fact that I have an anxious attachment style. I didn't appreciate it because as far as I understood it, it meant that your attachment style to people, how you relate to people is preoccupied or like um, desperate or needy. And then a few weeks later, I was called a people pleaser. So it just kept spiraling on this idea of having this anxious attachment style. As opposed to addressing my feelings directly, which is probably a signal of the attachment style, I decided to do a podcast episode on it. And I, I think initially it was something vengeful it was something cruel but the more i researched it the more curious i got on the matter what is anxious attachment what are these attachment styles is there one that better suits me or makes me feel better none of them do as far as um i've looked through them but that's what we're going to get into today what are these attachment styles i'm probably going to only be able to do one an episode so expect at least three more of these And we are going to talk about triggers. We're going to talk about um, what does it say about your spiritual life, because I do want to get into that a bit more with my episodes. And lastly, how do you manage it? That's what we're going to go through today. Welcome to the journey if you are new. Welcome back if you are old. Thank you for listening if you've been here thus far. Please like, share, and subscribe. I've never thought that this would make me any kind of income or maybe any kind of fame, but I think it would really be cool to just have a lot more discussions on these topics. I've had some really good talks so far, and I just really hope to have more. All right, let's get into it. I think it's kind of funny that one of the things that I've thought about doing for a really long time is telling stories, just starting a podcast where I'm going to tell stories and I'm going to like just do like bedtime stories for maybe my future's child as like a really long love letter. But no, instead here I still am talking about relationships, how to build relationships, how to do community better, how to love, how to manage your own feelings. And that's what we're going to do today. I've already said we're going to talk about anxious attachment styles today and we're going to talk about what it is. So what is it? Anxious attachment is a type of insecure attachment style that's rooted in fear of abandonment and an insecurity of being underappreciated. People with this attachment style are also called preoccupied attachment disorder, often feel nervous about being separated from their partner or friends. And I think about 20% of people have this attachment style, so it's not uncommon. And it's usually fairly treatable if like you realize by the end of this episode, you might have it. Again, this is not diagnosing anyone, but it's something that you can go to therapy for and it's pretty Um, It's pretty common. A lot of people know how to deal with it. So you're not like crazy or anything. So how this attachment style develops is usually through childhood. Most things do. So you will have a child who's either um, lives in an environment where their parents are insensitive or unpredictable. So one moment they'll be loving and available and the next moment they won't be meeting basic needs for love or security or attention for the child and then this leaves the child not knowing what to expect and hungry for attention and connection because this love isn't always given to the child um, you grow up with this anxious attachment style and have a hard time depending on other people so what really happens is children are either 
taught through what they witness or what or how they're treated and that's usually what forms like our initial steps of like adult development so a lot of stuff that we go through as adults low-key blame your parents which kind of sucks um anyway so these childhood relationships will teach you not to trust closeness in others those you love on and like depend on you see them as emotionally unpredictable or even abusive because of how you view the world so you'll be like confused and you really want love but you'll have like issues with it usual signs of like insecure attachment styles are insecure in relationships like you have insecurities you're clingy or possessive you're scared of rejection you're jealous a lot you distrust others you're overwhelmed by intimacy but long for it and you have a low or negative view of self and I'm telling you straight off the bat, five of those were a yes to me. Two of those were, I think if those two were what people were thinking of when they called me this, they can put it in a place where the sun don't shine, honestly. <laughs> I think it, this attachment style is hard to accept as a person who is an extrovert, as a person who's a little type A, a person who's fairly independent because it's acknowledging the fact that I may have a weakness that can only be resolved with like self-management of course but it's a weakness that is developed through others opinion of me or a dependency on others which seems so contrary to my nature and i think that's why it was hard to take in but looking through a lot of the other information i think it's easier to digest now that i understand it a lot more okay so next things next what are your triggers because of your general insecurities, and I'm not saying you're this person, whoever it is, if it's you, I'm talking to you, if it's someone else, please go share this with someone else because you're like, oh my gosh, this is them completely. We're going through it. What are your triggers that um, intentionally or unintentionally will set you off if you have this relationship type, if you have this attachment style? First one is unresponsiveness. I don't lie. This is something that just pisses me off in general. When someone doesn't text back or call back for long periods of time without knowing why, you can call it can cause worry or anxiety or so on one side people become super clingy. Not really my nature. I'm the other extreme where you push people away. And anxiety at the start of a relationship is common for a lot of people. But people with this anxious attachment style can carry the anxiety throughout the entirety of their relationship. There's no fixing point where it's like usual for someone to ghost for a few days or even like where some people say, oh, a week or two is fine. Like three or four hours for a person with this attachment style might be too much. Number two is you have perceived threat or loss of a relationship. So any kind of conflict can be healthy for most people, but people with anxious attachment, any kind of conflict can trigger fear of abandonment. I think this is because people with this attachment style, as I understand it, you were neglected as a child or you felt neglect for a period of time or maybe went through some kind of natural disaster or you went through some kind of abuse and you learned to have people like you through either validation or through acts that you did. So it was kind of like you did a good job, you were kept in the house, or you didn't make loud noises, your parents loved you, or all this stuff. So anything that um, goes bad or wrong, you think that people are going to leave you or cast you out because of your behavior. So it's like deeply, 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 deeply ingrained. But what happens is as an adult, you start to catastrophize things. So you 
like immediately assume everything's going to end. The world's on fire. This person hates me. This is awful. And sometimes you start self-sabotaging, which I am so guilty of. Like, I want to say that this is a dating trait. I I don't know. But I do it in friendships, which is unhealthy. So I'm right there with you. Like, this is, this is so bizarre. But again, um, I haven't been professionally diagnosed, so I don't really accept this one myself. I might start reading the other attachment styles and feel the same thing. So it's just based on preliminary research. Next trigger, your partner starts acting more independent. This might make you feel like you have no place anymore. So you start doing things to make the other person need you more or um, you start playing the game so they don't like leave you or you're just around them a lot more. Another trigger is unpredictable behavior. I don't enjoy unpredictable behavior. If you're moving mad, I'm out. I don't enjoy like any kind of inconsistency one big issue used to be when i was younger uh when my friends would change hairstyles dramatically which is funny because i'm black people change hairstyles all the time but certain friends you know like will always have long hair and someday they cut it off because you know they're allowed to make those decisions but for me that would just throw me off so much because i'll be like oh sudden change ew and that's also because i didn't really have a lot of consistency growing up so sudden change always kind of scared me Another thing is distance. Some people need constant validation that we're still friends, that we're still okay. Um, and this understanding that people aren't there because of prior commitments or work or family, these can be triggers for someone with anxious attachment style, which is hard to take in. Now, when you have this anxious attachment style, in your relationship with God or your spiritual relationship, this can also be an actual problem. You may actually replicate these behaviors in your spiritual walk. So when you try to prevent feelings of distance from God at all times, so you end up doing this these acts of work where you're desperately trying to keep close to God. It looks different from each person, but the common denominator is you're constantly worried that you're screwing up in your spiritual life. And this is so unhealthy. So when you feel the weight of maintaining the relationship falls solely on your shoulders, which is unbiblical, because you are just supposed to kind of love and dance in God, and God loves you anyway, regardless of how you came, how you look, what size you are, what language you speak, um, your hair, your teeth, it doesn't matter. But when you practice this anxious attachment style, you worry about drifting, backsliding, falling away from God. I struggle with it. Um, and this is where it kind of clicked that I may have an anxious attachment style, which is funny. It had to go <laughs> to religion for me to figure it out. But I'm constantly worried about not going to heaven sometimes. And sometimes I worry about that. And if I don't keep the connection healthy and good, who will? You know, it falls squarely on me. So you go to church all the time. You passionately engage in worship. You... Um, in you're like completely inflexible in spiritual activities. You never miss church. You never miss a quiet time. You meticulously try not to sin. And you are always kind of whispering to yourself, if I don't do good enough, God will leave me behind or God will let me go. And this attachment style may have like created a lot of devout followers because you have people who are so scared to do wrong, but it never lasts. You kind of burn out at some point. You drift away. You run away because it's hard to do. We're not built to be that good. And I think the whole beginning half of the Bible kind of exposes this idea of when it's all dependent on you, following rules, following laws, you fail every single time. You, you're exposed to your own darkness. David was in like taking people's wives or killing someone in order to get a girl. Moses was in getting so angry, he strikes a rock and then he like ruins his whole deal with the promised land. Abraham starts lying in order to like make it through Egypt. He's like, listen, telling his wife that, hey, pretend to be my sister so we can make it through. We immediately get so exposed to sin when we weigh it completely on us. No matter how good 
we are but when we completely weigh it on god and the fact that he still loves us regardless we just have to try our best we need to do what he says but sometimes we will fail and that's okay and even then we have a more healthy connection with god devotion is admirable it's good to be devout to something it's good to be so bought in that you're kind of sunk into that place but you can never actually experience rest and peace with god if you keep up this behavior which i thought was really good so how do you stop the behavior how do you get to a place where you can be healthy how do you you know how do you manage it i guess Firstly, you can practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is just being, it's kind of like being aware of your surroundings. And you can Google it. You can go into a whole deep dive into what like mindfulness is. I'm not going to deep dive into that right now. But there is one technique called box breathing. This is when you breathe in five seconds, you hold your breath, you breathe out five seconds, you hold your breath, and you repeat this five or six times until you feel calm. So this is the moment when you're freaking out. The person hates me, the world's ending. God hates me, the world's ending. People hate me, I'll never feel love again. Then you breathe. Let's practice it together. So breathe in. Hold your breath. One, two, three, four, five. Breathe out. One, two, three, four, five. Hold your breath. Two, three, four, five. So do that over and over again to get to a common place where you can think more rationally. There's more practical versions where you can practice interpersonal skills. So writing a gratitude journal where you list what you love about people and you remember why you love them. Because I think that's what happens. You get to this point where you think everyone hates you and you forget they love you. And love will overpower hate, I promise you. You can read about active listening. So you can practice active listening. Reduce and remove behaviors that are controlling. Don't go through your partner's phone. Don't be checking on people all the time. Don't be checking locations. Maybe go to counseling. Seek a couple's counselor if this is like a dating problems you're having and research like what healthy relationships do. Other practical ways that I found are just practicing self-care. Drink water all the time. Practice hygiene, you know, go bath. Exercise, stay healthy, participate in activities you enjoy. Do art. I love to paint. That's something that's helped me. Spend time in nature, eat healthy food, get enough sleep. I realize that when I'm very sleep deprived, I become a little bit more manic in real life. Also, another thing you need to do is make healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries aren't ways to control other people where you tell people to behave around you, but it's how you regulate your own self-behavior. It's emotional intelligence, and that's something we've talked about on this podcast a lot. You need to attempt or try to make sure you're your best self And you tell people how you can be your best self. So when someone yells at you rather than saying, if you yell at me again, I'm going to punch you in the face. You say, no, listen, if you yell at me again, I will need to take time alone until you can calm down. And we'll address this again. Because you know yourself, like you'll start feeling anxious because you'll realize they hate you and do all this stuff. So trying to engage them, you might try to control them. It's better to leave. Maybe it's better. Figure this out for yourself, please. It's saying no to things you don't want to do. You don't want to visit grandma. You don't want to go on a date. You don't want to do all these things. If you're not ready to talk about something, just say it. I'm not able to talk about this right now. Can we revisit it at another time? And make sure you do. Don't be a liar, okay? That's one thing we never do. Always tell the truth. Or at least don't lie. Um, Explain what your wants are if it's like a relationship like hey i can't be your friend if these are your the behaviors that you do if you're bullying people i can't be friends with someone who does that if you're in a relationship i can't be in a relationship with someone who constantly flirts with other people even if you think that it's inconsistent um 
I don't want to do these activities. I don't want to go to this party, etc. And you also have to be extremely prepared to face rejection or backlash in any of these. And that's the hard part. You literally have to develop a backbone. So if someone says that, oh, that's not something I want to change about myself, you need to be prepared to leave. They are 6 billion people on the planet. You can't lock yourself down to one thing just because you're scared of this unhealthy thing being unhealthy to you. You need to stick to your boundaries because that's going to be a huge sign of respect. You also need to be open and willing. Sometimes your attachment styles have become habits. So you need to be open and willing to take a step away when it's scary. Do stuff that you thought that was hard before by saying no or addressing things. And sometimes when you do these activities, you can develop some kind of anxiety or fear. So you can try and do things to counter those actions. For me, it's taking a cold shower. Just shock myself back into reality. Other people, it's yoga. Sometimes you just have to physically change location. So maybe you're feeling anxious at work. You need Maybe you just need to go and work from home or go to the bathroom for a bit and come back. Fidget toys are, are things that help with people. I'm slowly thinking that, honestly, this whole attachment style is kind of linked to <laughs> like ADHD. But um, anyway, I digress, I, di- I digress, I digress. So if you have this anxious attachment style, you crave intimacy, but you fear abandonment. You feel highly dependent on social relationships, and this can cause you to feel unsafe. You may have low self-esteem. People, um, you may seek reassurance from other people. You can feel really strong feelings of separation and anxiety. But remember, it's common. It's manageable. You can get yourself to a healthy, secure attachment style. Other people go through this where you feel abandoned or rejected. It's a really common feeling. So people will understand it to some extent. And that's why when you explain it or you counter these behaviors, people will usually be able to meet you halfway. Understand that it's not always completely your fault. These are just behaviors you've seen and replicated or you've gone through something. In order to counter this behavior, focus, focus, focus on self-compassion. It's okay that you feel this way. It's okay that you're going through this. You're doing great and forgive yourself for going through these feelings and forgive yourself for maybe wrecking relationships. Don't go back to the old relationships, chasing things and apologizing. Just be like, oh my gosh, Chanda taught me my attachment style and now I can really fix this relationship. It's okay. You've moved on, move on. (laughs) You don't know what blessings you are receiving just by being in the place where God needs you to be right now. Recognize your feelings without judging yourself and cultivate feelings of safety within yourself rather than relying on external sources for reassurance and acceptance. I was recently um, watching uh, a sermon. No, was I watching a sermon? Did I read a book? I might have read it in a book, actually. I've been reading a lot lately. Where sometimes there's loneliness versus solitude. Sometimes you may feel lonely, and that's like a hard place to be, and people do get lonely. But sometimes you're brought to a place of solitude, and that's where I've been brought to recently, where I've had to be my own source of reassurance, my own source of acceptance. I got a dog, but the dog, as much as the licks and hugs are great, I don't really get the validation that I need all the time. And I've had to remind myself of the good things about myself. And I think that's helped with a lot of the feelings of not feeling enough or not feeling like I've done enough. Do what you can and know that you are seen and loved by me at least and by everyone else on this podcast who helps to get this off the ground every month at least (sighs) we're gonna go through the three the next three over the next couple of weeks thank you for listening i love you bye